Friday morning lights. Long fly ball to center. Going, going, gone! No! Shot! Score! Good morning, sports fans. Ryland Turner here for the November 2023 edition of Friday Morning Lights. And as always, I'm joined by Kyle Joseph. Kyle, this is the show where you talk and I listen. How are you this morning? I'm doing all right. We're I'm a bit tired uh, as of recording this, but we're going we're gonna to get through. We've got lots to talk about here. That's true. That's true. So we shall get right into it. Kyle, why don't you rifle off our first topic? So the first thing I think we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about baseball because we sort of ended with that last time. We said we were going to cover it, and we're recording this. We have a champion, so we're going to get to it. But before we get to the champion, I think we should go through all of the other teams that didn't make it and talk about what happened. Let's do it. So we will start with the the opening round. And because I'm going to save them for last, we will start with, I think Miami is probably the easiest to start with. And again, I don't want to say that they were happy to be there because I don't think any team, if you're in the playoffs, you're there to win it. But I think if you're looking at the Marlins this year, I think getting to the playoffs was a major achievement. And then when they got to the playoffs, they just ran into a situation where they did not have enough hitting to get them through. Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola tore them to shreds. And I mentioned when we did the preview of this, that the Phillies pitching staff didn't necessarily have an amazing season, but if they could get going, they could really get going. And boy, did they. So Marlins, you know, tough luck, better chat luck next year, except it's never about that because there's always something going on with the Marlins and with the Marlins, they let go of their general manager because reasons. Basically what happened, um, I don't know if you knew this, but, um, I'm going to say this wrong. Uh, Kim, uh, Kim Ng was their manager or general manager. Okay. And she, by all accounts, was doing a, a great job. She had been their general manager since 2020 when they hired her. And then basically the team, she had an option for this year and she decided to bow out because the team was trying to hire a president of baseball operations. And basically what that would have been is they were trying to hire somebody who was going to check her. And so she decided she didn't want that. I don't know if you know this. In baseball now, um, the president of the baseball operations is now sort of a general manager-in-chief position in a way that it wasn't necessarily as actively on-field focused as it was before. For example, Mark Shapiro is the president of baseball operations for the Blue Jays, and Ross Atkins is the GM. So... As much as Ross Atkins deals with the day-to-day, the big decisions are still going to be going through Shapiro. Okay. So they tried to big-timer. They tried to, yeah, hire somebody to be over top of her, and she said, no, that's not a good idea. And I don't blame her for that. So 
even in situations where the Marlins had what, by all accounts, was a successful season, Marlins got a Marlin. <laughs> How common is this in baseball now? I don't even know. And as far as uh, as far as teams hiring around their GM, right? Yeah, not so. Usually, what happens is the president of baseball operations is picked first, and then the GM comes in. That's usually how it goes. But in this case, they already had the GM and they were just basically trying to hire her boss, which the problem with doing that, it's the same thing if you're a coach when a GM gets hired in most sports situations, is when they hire your boss, your boss is going to look at you and you're not going to be the person that your boss picked to be in that job. And that's never a good situation. Okay. Because they're the first thing that they're going to do in the first sign of trouble is fire you and go out and hire their person, the person that they chose, because that's who they want in the job, whoever it happens to be. Right. So the Marlins are going to go find new people to be in charge, and who knows what's going to be happening next season with them. But they made it to the playoffs this year. We will see what happens with them going forward. Then we get to talk about three teams who. Fell apart. It is funny that of all of the teams that lost in the in the wild card series, and all three of the all or sorry, all four of the wild card series were sweeps. By the way, nobody made it to the third game. The Milwaukee Brewers were the division winners of the Central. They had great pitching. They were going into this off season or into this postseason, hoping to make a push again on the back of their pitching, hoping the hitting would hold up, and it it ultimately didn't. And they ran into a very hot Diamondbacks team that basically shelled them. And we'll talk about the Diamondbacks more later, but for Milwaukee, they are really nearing the end of their competitive window because they are not a big budget team at all. And there are some people who are coming towards the ends of their contracts and whether or not the team's going to be able to bring them back remains to be seen. And boy, the central is not good. And the last thing they could use is another team falling apart, but yeah, it might be up for grabs next year. We will see. (laughs) The Tampa Bay Rays scored one run in two games, which I don't know if you know, this is not enough to win two games. No, it doesn't sound like it. It's barely enough to win one game, and in this case, it wasn't enough to win one game. Ultimately, bats got stymied, and a pitching rotation that was so injured is in a bad state. And the trouble doesn't end with this postseason because their best pitcher, Shane McClanahan, is going to be out for possibly all of next year. There's still no news about what's going to happen to Wander Franco. Not that I'm excited to see him come back to baseball, but like, things are not in a great state for the Rays. Let's say that. We'll move on. I've been dreading this. Let's talk about the Blue Jays. Oh, boy. The Blue Jays also scored one run. So they went into these postseason with ice-cold bats, and the bats did not show up. And then 
They ran into a Minnesota team who had not won a playoff game in 18 straight games, 18 straight losses for the Twins in the playoffs. And yeah, they, they won too quickly against the Blue Jays team that <clears throat> looked completely out of sorts. Vladdy got picked off at second base, which just should never happen in a situation where they were having the hardest time getting people into scoring position, let alone knocking them in. And then on top of that, they got completely shut down by the Twins pitching. And moreover, in game two, they were in a great situation with Jose Barrios dealing against his former team. And then they pulled him out of the game. Very early. Well, for no inning. reason. It sure was. He allowed a walk, and that was his day. They brought in Yusei Kikuchi because they wanted to deal with a lefty-righty matchup. Now, that lefty-righty matchup did not last, and Minnesota's lineup is filled with righties. And not that Kikuchi pitched, like, terribly, but it was just a baffling decision that, frankly, shakes your confidence in the management if you're the players. And so they lost very quickly, were unceremoniously dusted in the playoffs. They are returning with all the same people. John Schneider is coming back as are Shapiro and Ross Atkins. No changes to this point. We will see what happens going forward. They have a lot of work they have to do in this offseason start moving towards re-signing some of their players, figuring out what Vladdy even is at this point to them, and Bo Bichette trying to get that extension done. Who who knows if that's going to happen? They still have a couple of years, but it's not something you want to put off if you can uh, be able to do it. Right. And then they've got some holes to address in the lineup. They have to figure out how they're going to get hitting into this lineup, which was not a problem they had just a couple of years ago. So... We'll see with the Blue Jays, but I am not optimistic, to say the okay. least. Okay, question. Uh, do you think that the decision to pull Barrios in this game, in that game, do you think that that's grounds for dismissal? Because a lot of people are calling for that at, the, at this point. I think it is... I think it is grounds for dismissal insofar as it is emblematic of a problem that we're going to talk about later, which is... GMs playing themselves. The reality is that we're in a situation where John Schneider's in that position because he is going to do what the front office wants him to do. They put him in that position to basically rubber stamp the stuff that the front office wants. Not that he doesn't have any agency, but those decisions, those things that they want, and basically what they said was Jose Barrios, if he's coming back into a game, if he's going through the rotation another time, the the math says it's not going to be very good. And they played analytics, which, again, I like analytics. I think it is valuable. But it was not a great situation. So, yeah, the Blue Jays need to figure themselves out a bunch, which is going to be very interesting. And I think everybody is on the hot seat now because I believe that this iteration of 
the Blue Jays, the Shapiro Atkins Blue Jays, they have held this job for quite a while, if memory serves. Yeah, Atkins got into his job in 2015. That's a long time ago. No doubt. Shapiro was in his job, I think, the same year, probably. Yeah, 2015. That's a lot of years. Those Cleveland years for Shapiro are a distant memory. He was an executive of the year and warranted those executives of the year with Cleveland in, in 05 and 07. He was building something very impressive with not a lot of budget. It's not going well with the Blue Jays, so time will tell, I suppose. Fair enough. So that moves us to the next round of the playoffs. And we'll talk about the Orioles first because I sort of have similar thoughts to the Marlins. Now, the Orioles won 100 games this year. So you're never just happy to be there when you win 101 games. But this was a learning experience. And boy, did they get a lesson. (laughs) (laughs) Texas taught them a very valuable lesson about how good Texas's hitting is. Ultimately, for Baltimore, they had a very successful season. A lot of their players really came together, as we talked about when we were previewing the playoffs. But again, it was a situation where you're coming into it. It's a new experience to be in playoff baseball. And winning 100 games over an 162-game season is very different than having to win three of five. Right. And the Orioles found that out the hard way. But this was the season that they have been paying all of those dues and all of those terrible tank seasons for. So they've got a lot to look forward to in the coming years. Now, the rest of the AL East is going to have something to say about it, but the Orioles have shown at least that they can compete with the big boys, and that's what they've really been hoping for. And it's it's kind of nice to see for a team that has spent a long period of time not having that success. The other team got, got swept. The Los Angeles Dodgers. Poor Clayton Kershaw. He got smoked. He He had got one out and gave up six runs. He's had a long history of notorious playoff disappointment. And the reality is, is that Clayton Kershaw in 2023 should not be the ace of their staff, but between injuries and other stuff, he had to be their ace. And unfortunately it just didn't work out for them. The Diamondbacks, had a great run, and it's. And I think the Dodgers are going to be very disappointed. Again, they won 100 games. You expect to do better if you win 100 games, especially when you have the pedigree that the Dodgers have right. and the budget that the Dodgers have spending on players. I expect that they'll be back next year, but they really do need to address that pitching rotation because it has been a little bit of a heel for them for the last little bit. Then, speaking of 100-win teams that didn't make it to the next round, Atlanta sure fell apart. Oh, my God. It was That was one of the, the biggest stories of the playoffs was Atlanta came in with all the fire and brimstone they could handle, and Philly handed them uh, a, a nice tap on the ass on the way out. Yeah, these games didn't even i mean the series was a four game series so it wasn't a complete sweep or anything like that but 
A lot of these games didn't feel particularly close. The Phillies just sort of seemed to be in control. Their pitching staff did what they needed to do, which, again, we talked about. They've got capable arms in that pitching staff. And the Braves' bats just did not show up. Which, in a season where that's all they did was show up all year. (laughs) So, I think Atlanta is going to be very disappointed with this. They can take solace in the fact that they'll be back here because they've got so much capacity. They have so many talented players. And, you know, I think they're going to try, hopefully, if they've got the budget to do so, try to get a couple extra arms, both their rotation and their their bullpen, because you don't necessarily want to be running with what they ran with this season. You know, they they went on a couple adventures and it just didn't go well for them. I, th- I thought their bullpen had some some concerns and, and it just, you know, wasn't their year, but we'll see what happens next year. It's fair. Then finally in the division round, I guess we got to talk about the Minnesota Twins too. The goal was just to get some wins in the playoffs and they got three. They got two against the Blue Jays. They got one against Houston. They just ran into a better Houston team that that kind of took them down. I think that for the Twins, this was something to build on. They do need to get more bats in that lineup, and I do think that they have the budget to be able to do so, to find some decent options, but it's going to take more work for them. But Certainly. we will see. I, I, I don't hate that team, and... I certainly hate that division. So there will be every opportunity for the Twins to be back here. And for Houston, uh, we'll talk about them next, I guess. They went to war with Texas and had the 3-2 series lead, went back home, and couldn't get the job done. Would you call that the series of the playoffs? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I, 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 listen, I don't, <laughs> I don't watch a lot of baseball unless the Jays are playing, but... The, some of these games were insane. And I mean, I all credit to Texas, like some of the best comebacks I've ever seen in, in the sport of baseball. So, uh, I'll say yeah. bo- like both of these series, we got treated to some fascinating baseball and same situation happens in the other series when we get to that, but we got runs scored. We got comebacks. We got drama. We got some great pitching performances. Like ultimately they got. A lot of great stuff. Obviously, Houston, somebody had to win it, and Houston, I think, is going to be disappointed to not be the team to do it. Dusty Baker has decided to call it a career. I tip my cap to him. I'm glad that he finally got his championship, even if it had to be with Houston. And, yeah, it goes to show that bringing in a proper manager and letting them do their job can be helpful. And it might be better to do that instead of just, you know, hiring somebody who's going to take the analytics pages and just turn it into a lineup card. It's fair. I'm being a little cynical, but (laughs) (laughs) you had a, you had a rough, you had a rough MLB playoffs, Kyle. It was rough for you. NLCS, also a chaotic series, also a lot of back and forth. 
Phillies win two. Arizona comes back. Phillies take the lead of the series. Go back home and can't get the job done. A lot of low scoring, close matchups <clears throat> between two good pitching staffs and some clutch hitting from, among others, Gabriel Moreno. Uh, pain. And of course, Corbin Carroll is this, this Diamondbacks team. They were a strong team early in the season, and then they showed in these playoffs that they have the capacity to go on a very, very solid run. And for the Phillies, it's going to be disappointing to get knocked out, obviously. I think they wanted to be back in the situation. I think they wanted to get back and 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 try to win it all. But, you know, this is another great season for Bryce Harper. They made it to the World Series last year. We're a game away from making it again this year. They are proving that they belong in this hyper-competitive NL East. Or at least it should be hyper-competitive. Somebody, I won't say who, the Mets, aren't holding up their weight. But (laughs) Atlanta and Philly both should be very happy with their teams, even if they're going to be disappointed about the results for this playoffs. They just ran into a hot hand in Arizona. And then the World Series happened, and Texas just got the bats out and delivered. I also am happy that Marcus Semien got his championship ring. You had mentioned that off the top. I think, yeah. I think I mentioned that off air, actually, but, didn't I? But yeah, you did. But <laughs> I. But yes, absolutely. That's great to see. And honestly, Kyle, like Texas, they earned it. They got out on the field and they earned it. And I don't think when I don't think they were uh, even a thought in either of our minds when this when we were previewing the playoff. No. So like to see them come out of the come out of this playoffs and uh, win the World Series was it was something to see. I mean, I said the pitching had to show up because their bats were more than capable and the pitching did show up when they needed it. So ultimately... Got to give them full credit. Bruce Bochy, the manager for the Texas Rangers, wins yet another championship. I believe that is four for him because he has three with the San Francisco Giants in the, the time where they would win every even year championship. So, yes, 2010, 2012, 2014, and now again in 23. This guy is an inner circle Hall of Fame manager. And his plaque in Cooperstown is all the more secure now. But yeah, Texas had a fantastic season. They brought in him in and he won a championship in his first year here. That's incredible. And yeah, I think they're going to be very happy with the, the situation that they're in going forward. For a team that last made the World Series in 2011 and the heartbreak that was that World Series against the Cardinals, the fan base does get to celebrate that championship and good on them. They they deserved it. Those bats earned it and and the pitching held up their end of the bargain too. So give them credit. Absolutely. So that is it for that. I think we're going to talk a little bit of NFL next. Well, I mean, like, and when, and when Kyle says we're going to talk a little NFL, um, Kyle has always been 
a Raiders fan. Uh-huh. And uh, today is not a good day for the Raiders. Uh, I mean, like, I don't know if it's not a good day, but it's it, it's looking like the team itself is imploding. So we are recording. At least on the management side. We are recording this on November the 1st. For those who want to know why we are talking about this, the Raiders announced that they have fired Josh McDaniels, their head coach of the last year and a half. And what? Here's the thing. I thought they should fire him at the end of last season. I did not think that this experiment was going well. I thought that hiring him in the first place after the disaster that was the, you know, half a day he was set to be the head coach of Indianapolis. I thought that should have been the red flag of red flags to keep him out of this forever, but apparently not. He is back. He was back, and now he's gone again. And they fired the GM, too. They fired the offensive coordinator. Yeah, like, it just is a tire fire today. Antonio Pierce is now the head coach. Uh, He was their linebackers coach. He has high school head coaching experience and was the associate head coach of Arizona state for a couple of years before he got this job as the Raiders linebacking coach. For those who recognize the name, he was on the San Francisco giants, San Francisco giants. We're still in baseball mode on the New York giants team that I think he was, I think he was on the Super Bowl championship team. Yes, he was. He was on, he was a linebacker on the the eighteen and one, uh, the team that beats the Patriots. Well, I guess they did it twice. The team that beat the eighteen and zero Patriots in Super Bowl forty two, and now he's the head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. Good luck, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> the team also announced that they are benching Jimmy Garoppolo the starting quarterback that they signed this offseason. Because, as it turns out, the thing that everybody knew about Jimmy Garoppolo turned out to be true. It is amazing how good, how successful you can be as a quarterback when you are on the best team in the league. And now that he's not, it's not going well. And I'm pretty sure they're going to have to eat a pretty substantive cap hit at the end of this season to cut him. So Mazel Tov Raiders. You you did a thing again and I guess Are you, have you you haven't put any money on them this season, have you? Absolutely not. <laughs> I want to want to throw away money. What's weird is that they're 3 and 5, which is a better record than I would have expected. They didn't trade at the deadline. They chose not to trade Devonte Adams, so he has to suffer through the rest of whatever this is going to be. <laughs> With Aiden O'Connell, Aiden O'Connell is a rookie who was drafted in the fourth round last year. He was a two-year starter at Purdue, and I don't want to put down Purdue. They've produced. Good quarterbacks before. 
Have they produced? <laughs> Drew Brees was a Purdue alum. But do I expect Aiden O'Connell to be the face of the franchise going forward? I do not. And I don't know if they're bad enough as a team to be able to get that top draft pick they need to get a Caleb Williams. So I don't know what's going to happen here. The Raiders are in a place. And it's not a good one. It sure isn't. They're not um, even con- last in their division, which is that all of this is happening and they're not last in their division. That's amazing. Kyle, I, I, w- I want to make you feel a little bit better about this. Why don't you tell me about the Denver Broncos? This seems winning actually, actually, hold on, hold on, hold on. Before we get before we get to the Denver Broncos, I want you to know that John Gruden and what is it, Josh McDaniels? Uh, yes. Are currently getting paid $80 million to not coach the Las Vegas Raiders. <sighs> yep. That's that's a lot of fucking money. It's a lot of money for an owner who is the least moneyed owner in football. So there's that. I just wanted to point that out. But going, let let's talk about the Denver Broncos and that that tire fire. Because fuck, is that one bad too? Is it though? It was. Okay, hold on. Maybe I haven't been following enough the last couple weeks. Has it turned around? They have turned it around. They've won their last couple games. They seem to be moving in a positive direction. Okay. All right. Well, somehow they, they beat Kansas city convincingly. Okay. Well, that hurts me. With all that that Taylor Swift power that Kansas has got, you'd think that you'd think that they would have been able to get over the Broncos, but you know what? You know what? They're going into a bye week three and five. Having won their last two games, are they going to make the playoffs? Probably not. But also, looking at Russell Williams or Russell Wilson's numbers this season, he's not been awful, and he certainly struggles struggled to start. But he seemed to have found some decent enough footing now <clears throat> that they might be able to put together a not awful season and. Lord knows that's all they need at this point. It's true. It's true. Who else is interesting right now? Other stuff of interest in the league. I mean, San Francisco losing a bunch in a row is surprising at very least. They've, they've after five straight wins, they've rattled off three straight losses. They're no longer in first in their division. Seattle Seahawks hold that distinction. The, the Detroit Lions are one of the best teams in football. Which is a thing. The Atlanta Falcons are benching their starting quarterback. By the way, they're leading their division. This year has been fun. Let's say that. Not a season to to throw money on. That's for sure. Oh, you're going to be wrong every time. It it has been chaotic. We're seeing some. I mean, we are seeing some teams emerge now and finally step up and get into their own. The Jets have rattled off three straight wins. They're above 500 now, and you know, moving towards a potential playoff spot. The Bengals have rattled off three straight. They're above 500. That AFC North looks like a strong division across the board. The Jags have five in a row. They're six and two. There's some strong players around the league right now. And it'll be interesting. Now, also, there were some trades made at the trade deadline. The Vikings, I think, just sort of didn't make a move to grab a replacement because Kirk Cousins 
has gone down with a season-ending injury. We'll see if he's even able to come back off of it. It was a pretty serious non-contact contact injuries are always terrible. So they brought in Josh Dobbs to be their new starting quarterback. We will see if that works out for them. Meanwhile, the Bears brought in Montez Sweat because the Bears, who are checks notes two and six, decided that they wanted to give away a second round pick. And don't get me wrong, Montez Sweat is an excellent player, but should you be a buyer at two and six? No, I don't think so. And. San Francisco, the rich get richer. They bring in Chase Young. I don't even think they brought him for a third round pick. I don't even think they need to resign him. He just needs to wreck shop for the rest of the season to make that worth it. And there's a lot of good teams. The Dolphins, the Bills, the Chiefs, despite their loss, are are strong. The Ravens look about as good as they've ever looked. Obviously, the Jags, as I mentioned, the Eagles play down to their competition up until the point where they beat them. The Cowboys have been strong this year. Obviously the Lions, I said, like there's, it, there's some competition this year. It's going to be interesting to see as we get closer towards the end of the season, who's going to end up sitting where. Talk to me before we get uh, move on from the NFL about this Taylor Swift effect and, and what this is doing to football. Cause it's, it's been the, all the talk of the news for weeks now, Kyle, what is your take on this? So, for those who don't know, Taylor Swift is in a relationship with Kansas City Chiefs tight end Travis Kelsey. She has been attending games fairly publicly in their box seats. And the NFL is capitalizing on a Taylor Swift who is having a very interesting career resurgence at this moment, which is outside of the auspices of a sports show, but that's an entirely different discussion. But she's having a lot of success. She's producing some of the best music of her career. Fandom is at an all-time high. And people seem to be excited. Travis Kelsey's jersey is one of the most purchased jerseys in the league now. (laughs) Which, like, here's what I'll say about this. Because I don't want to be too hard on Swifties. I don't have a problem with people being fans of things, you know, in general. I think it's fine. It's mostly harmless. Can get a little bit... uh, problematic if there's a parasocial dynamic, but neither here nor there. I don't know that I have ever been a fan of any athlete to the point where I wanted to purchase something that their significant other was doing. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, it is nutty. It, I'm sure he loves it, though. I'm sure he loves it. Honestly, he is a person... The, the whole Kelsey family seems to be sort of quietly... I say quietly. Uh, That's the wrong word, but... Yeah, I was going to say, their podcast is huge right now, the, the two of them. They seem to enjoy the attention of it, which is great. I think that, you know, it's... If it's going well, if the relationship's going well, she's enjoying going to the games, whatever it happens to be, 
it seems seems like a good thing. I'm not going to knock it. And as much as the NFL, the NFL has fully capitalized on this, by the way. Oh yes, absolutely. <laughs> as much as NFL fans want to say this is ridiculous, how many shots they're giving of Taylor Swift. The the Sunday night football game against the New York Jets, twenty seven million people watched it. Think about that. Twenty seven million people watched a regular season football game. Yeah, that's nuts. That's even f- nuts. Even for football, which is absurdly popular, that's a lot of people. So yeah, that's a sign that this is going. It's really coming up NFL, and couldn't it happen to a better team. I am very interested if they're going to capitalize on this and announce Taylor Swift as the the halftime act for next year's show. Well, she turned down this year, and then all of a sudden she showed up at all the fucking games. So, like, I feel like she prematurely turned it down. Maybe, maybe not, but whatever happens. Like, let's be clear about something. Taylor Swift does not need... no. The Super Bowl halftime show. But the Super Bowl halftime show, to me, should never be about need so much as it should be about it's, you know, a performance that everyone gets to see and gets to sort of live in the a more public space forever. Right. Which if you're a major artist who's, you know, had a whole bunch of hits, it's a nice feather in the cap to have. It's not, but you're right, though. She doesn't need it. Like, that lady did no. seven days in California and made a billion dollars. Like, that's insanity. And then and then had the number one movie at the box office, like, two weeks later. And this is the, the reality is that Taylor Swift is at a machine. the height of her popularity, which is saying something, because she had a popularity height about, you know, six years ago-ish that was very, very high as well. So, we will see. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't. I couldn't uh, do this show without talking about that for at least a minute. So we'll get into. We're going to try to keep this brief. I think for our previews for the NHL and the NBA, partly because they're already happening. We did a little bit of a preview to the NHL season so far. I don't think there's been anything stunning that has happened to this point we are seeing the final remnants of the pittsburgh penguins they really need to turn their season around it's still very early so like anything could still happen but and a wild story out of ottawa who are in their usual position of last place in their division They've gotten very comfortable there, so they decided to stay. They fired their GM today. Oh, jeez. Not for the reasons of being bad. No, that would be that would be what other teams do. I'm gonna try to get this story right. In 2021, the Senators sent an Evgeny Dadnov to the Vegas Golden Knights in a trade. The Golden Knights then tried to send Dadnov in a trade to the Anaheim Ducks 
in 2022 at around the deadline. As it turns out, and they were trying to get some, they were trying to get some defensive help. They were trying to grab John Moore in this trade in their, their push towards the playoffs at the time. And it turns out the league had to cancel the trade because the Ducks were on Dadnov's no-trade clause. He had a partial no-trade. He had a list of 10 teams. They were on it. Which is fine, except the Ottawa Senators, when they traded Dadnov to Vegas, failed to disclose to Vegas that he had this list. So, their GM resigned. And Ottawa is going to have to give up a first-round pick. Oh, God. Ryan Reynolds avoided a fucking dumpster fire, didn't he? <laughs> they get to pick between 2024, 2025, and 2026. What's hilarious about this is that Ottawa was in a situation not that long ago where because of a trade, they got the option of keeping a first-round pick or deferring to another year. And... With uh, this trade with Colorado in the the Matt Duchesne trade, and now they're here again on a forfeit because of a trade gone horribly wrong that happened two years ago. This team is this team is a gift. <laughs> there, there is one more story uh, in the NHL that we didn't cover, Kyle, and that was uh, that Winnipeg uh, signed two top players to long term deals. That's true. Identical long-term deals for Winnipeg for, it was Connor Hellebuck and, God, the center, who was it? Mark Shifley. Yes. Seven years, just under $60 million. It's going to keep them here long-term. It'll keep them here basically till the end of their careers, assuming they don't get traded. For Hellebuck and for, for both of them, it is a nice capstone for many years of successful play. These two players were drafted by the team. They were, in fact, I believe Shifley was maybe their first draft pick. I think you might be right. They, they, they've been a team that's been able to draft and develop players. Historically, they were a team that was able to draft and develop players really well. And Shifley was, in 2011, he was their, their first-round pick. And that was the first draft of the, new, of the new Winnipeg Jets. So yes, he was, in fact, the first Jet drafted. He's going to be a Jet for the rest of his career, probably. It's very fitting. And it's good to see. He had a 40-goal year last year, like... He's a talented player. Connor Hellebuck is one of the best goalies in, in hockey right now. So the signings make sense on that level. It does leave the team in a situation where you're hoping to compete with those players. You got players to build around. Now you have to, you know, build around them. Right. And this is exacerbated by the fact that the Jets are having trouble drawing attendance this year. Because the fans are kind of tired of this same old, same old with the Jets. So this is going to be a year where they're going to be expected to turn a new leaf. We'll see what they're able to do. It's very much a time-will-tell situation. As always with the Winnipeg Jets. As always with the Winnipeg Jets. Also, I'll acknowledge this. We're through 10 games, and the Golden Knights have yet to lose in regulation. So... <laughs> 
Here we go. And for somebody who has Aiden Hill on his fantasy team, that is good news. <laughs> I also have Shesterkin, and I'm only allowed to start one of them a week, so it's it's a good problem to have. Kyle, before we get into the NBA, I quickly wanted to touch on uh, Tyson Fury and Francis Nargano. Uh, this was quite the boxing match, apparently. So I did not see this boxing match. Tyson Fury was expected to be a boxer and, and beat Francis Nagano very easily. That it was again an exhibition fight, so it didn't count towards anything, but that's not really what happened. I can't say there's a lot of people, there's some controversy with regards to this fight. I can't speak to what people are saying about the judging for. For instance, I can't I can't speak to that because I didn't watch the fight. But the one thing that is certain is that Francis Nagano knocked Tyson Fury down, which seemed like a thing that would be unthinkable, right? And seemed to land some decent punches. By all accounts, people he was competitive in that fight. What that means, who knows? What it probably means is that there's going to be another one, which is good news for everybody because let me tell you something, Francis Nagano lost, but even if you're not a legend of the game, you can be a legend at the bank. <laughs> yes, you can. And if there's one guy in the fight game who has earned his stripes, it's him. Absolutely. So happy to see that guy get paid as much as he can. And honestly... If you're going to do this fight again, then fucking put the title on the line. Why not? Like, that only makes it more exciting. Why do we need it to be an exhibition? And we'll see what happens. I do think Nagano, if he's going to go down this road, I do think that he should, you know, properly train as a boxer. But the reality is he's got a contract with the Professional Fighters League as well. So I expect him to participate in... MMA in general as well because of that, which I can't imagine that helps as a boxer, but time will tell. Let's talk about the NBA. I think we're just, because we're running out of time, I think we're just sort of going to go through some headlines that we missed when we did our initial preview. The biggest of those is that James Harden now plays for another team. So he, he had, the last time we talked about this, he was causing some controversy mm-hmm. and it, that didn't stop. Nope. And now he's a Clipper. He is. Let's talk about this trade, Kyle. Clippers acquired Harden, PJ Tucker, and Philip Petrusevich, or Petrusev, sorry. In a trade, Philly gets Marcus Morris, Nicholas Batum, Robert Covington, Kenya Martin Jr., and some picks. Uh, first round in 2028 that is unprotected. Two seconds and a pick swap. <clears throat> For the Clippers, they add another person who could potentially take over games in the playoffs. And now they've got four guys that they are hoping are one going to be healthy for the playoffs because Lord knows the Clippers are in trouble if they're not. But two can take over games in the playoffs. That's what they're hoping for is that they can just overwhelm teams with offense 
and that that's going to be enough. It's going to require some of those other players who are on that team to step up and provide bench presence, PJ Tucker among them. But they're a team that's going to be probably starting Westbrook, Harden, reunited again. That went so well the first time. Kawhi, Paul George, and Ivica Zubach as their starting five. That's solid. In fairness, it did go relatively well because James Harden in Oklahoma City was not the James Harden we know of today. That's true. He was a very good player, don't get me wrong, but he wasn't that guy. Or I say I say the James Harden we know today. I mean the James Harden that was like MVP James Harden. He was not that in Oklahoma City. He was very good, but he was not that right. level in the same way that, you know, Russ was. Didn't they also play together in Houston? I think you might be right. I forgot. Oh my about that. god, these guys can't stay away from each other. I <laughs> forgot that that happened. Oh my lord! Oh my lord! You know what? Here's my thing with Harden: is like this is his this is make or break. It is like, and we said that about Philly, and we also said that about Brooklyn. So like, this is really make or break at this point. Either you're this is going to be the team that finally gets this guy the championship, or I'm not sure he's going to get it. Like he's in at this point nearly the twilight of his career. He's not produced like he once had. And sure, you could talk about how, uh, you know, a period of the time he was playing with Durant and Kyrie, and they're going to produce, and they're not going to necessarily want to share the ball like a- any other team. But like the player he was on Houston is not the player we're seeing going into this Clippers run. And I mean, who's to say that? This is actually going to work because, like you said, like Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, unfortunately, uh, as great of players as they are, are not the most like uh, injury free guys. So, is this team going to hold up? We, I mean, they can hope so. And certainly, I mean, like I love Kawhi. We all, all us Canadians, love Kawhi. Oh yeah. So, you know, we want to see him succeed. And I would love to see him get a title with the Clippers. I would love to see the Clippers get a title with this unit, honestly. But that all being said, like, I don't know, man, like James Harden, <laughs> he, he found a way to get there, but this guy is a lot. He's really a lot. So I think that's, we can talk about the rest of the NBA. I do think we covered it mostly in the preview. So far, things have been going, there haven't been many games played on, as of recording this. Things have gone fairly kind of how you would expect them to go. I don't think anybody's really leapt out as a team that nobody saw coming so far this season. Right. But the C year is young. This is going to be a year where we have a mid-season tournament for the first time. The NBA in-season tournament will be happening during the season uh, in November and December. We will see how that goes. Semifinals and finals are going to be happening in Vegas. Cash prizes. What are your thoughts on this? What What are your thoughts on this? <laughs> I don't know. I think it's exciting. We'll see how it goes. I think it's it's an interesting idea. It's not necessarily one that's necessarily going to work or transition properly, but it has rooting in soccer. The idea of having a cup tournament. If the players buy into it, yeah, absolutely. I think it's a good idea. But 
We will see. I think it, they've put up significant money to do this. I think it, it adds something to a middle of a regular season that is, you know, otherwise kind of what it is. Right. We'll see what happens with it. I think they're going to try to put this thing together. They're going to experiment with it, see how it goes for a couple of years. And if it works, great. It's another thing to add to the schedule. Another thing for people to compete for. Winning an NBA Cup. And you can put that, you know, say that you want it and feel proud of it. If the players take it seriously and the teams take it seriously, it could be something that's an interesting addition to the middle of the basketball season. It's fair. It's totally fair. But we will see. It's coming up very soon. Uh, the tournament games are going to start in a couple days. So as of recording this. So by the time you've heard this, we're going to be in the middle of that tournament. We'll see how it goes. Absolutely. We'll be sure to keep every everybody up to date with that. Um, Kyle, unless there's anything else, there I is, think that's... Oh, there is. Oh. Um, so I hate doing this at the end of the show, but I would feel remiss to not mention it because it did come up to literally today, and I just saw this. So this is you're getting my live reaction. And it is the announcement that uh, at 83 years old, Bob Knight, the legendary college basketball coach, has passed away. People, he has an interesting relationship with modern sports fans. I think a lot of people remember, you know, the chair throwing and some of that, that other stuff. The thing you people need to understand is that there's a lot of very good coaches and there's a lot of very good coaches who Got their start under Bob Knight working as an assistant, not the least of which Mike Krzyzewski was a Bob Knight assistant. Coach of the Army was the coach at Indiana forever and won three championships at Indiana. Was a champion as a player as well. And yeah, legendary coach and legendary in a lot of ways, uh, always notable for on the court antics as much as he was for coaching quality basketball teams is uh, one of the innovators of the motion offense. Uh, condolences to his family and friends. Absolutely. Is a, a big loss in the basketball world. So that is going to be the end of our show, I think. Yep, I think that's it. All right. So thank you so much for listening all the way to the end of this. We appreciate each and every one of you, and you have been lit. You have been listening to a Wallop Media podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Wallop Media. The hosts of our shows are Rylan, Kyle, and DK. You can find Rylan on Twitter at RylanWallop and Kyle on Twitter at Kyle Wallop. Production is by RJ Spearin. You can find his work at facebook.com slash spearkingco. Logo designs are by Maisie Mulder. You can find her work on her website, maisiemulderdesigns.com. Our podcasts are hosted by Acast. You can listen to them on the podcast catcher of your choice or on our website, shows.acast.com slash wallopmedia.